How often do you let someone else choose your meal for you at a restaurant? Can you imagine how children would feel if their parents allowed just one child to choose where they would all go on vacation or what all their siblings would watch on television? Turns out people don't really like not having a say in the things that directly impact themselves. However, with an average of only 19% of eligible voters actually casting a vote in local elections, municipal governments are shaped by those few who do vote, and the whole community benefits or suffers from those decisions. Lack of voter participation is only made worse when voters are not educated on the candidates they vote for or against. A recent study in Texas found that in local elections, the first name listed on the ballot earns an average of 10 percentage points more than the last name listed on the ballot. This is no coincidence. As it turns out, many voters simply choose a random name if they're unfamiliar with a particular group of candidates. It has become clear that voter education is an important yet widely ignored issue that will threaten both local and national governments and undermine democracy. Hello, I am your host, Mike Lake, and in today's preview, I will be talking with Gino Herring, CEO and founder of Best Candidate, a mobile app that will foster communication between election candidates and voters to enrich voter education and stimulate local election turnout. Innovation, resiliency, discovery. Join Mike Lake, president and CEO of Leading Cities, as we explore the technologies shaping the possibilities of our future with a preview of tomorrow. Hello, Gino. Thank you so much for joining us today here on this episode of Preview of Tomorrow. And as always, I want to welcome our listeners and our viewers for joining us for yet another session. Uh, I'm really happy to introduce you to Gino Herring. He is the founder and CEO of Best Candidate. It's a mobile app created to connect election candidates with voters in order to augment voter education and local candidate funding. So Gino, this is a topic near and dear to my heart. Um, I'm, I'm really curious to know, how is it that you were inspired or motivated to create Best Candidate? First and foremost, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate this opportunity to get in front of folks and talk about my passion to uh, affect change here. Um, I, I have been in elections now for over 20 years, and I've seen and heard uh, the positives, the negatives, the motivations, the fears, the all of the emotions that it comes with elections, and it all has to do with a great passion for being a part of this country. And I think what motivated me the most is to hear that folks are frustrated about certain things, and that's both voters and candidates, of course, and to be working on a solution every minute of the day, it seems, and to finally come up with a viable product that we think will actually change some of those frustrations and make them positive. So here in the U.S., we have a notoriously um, uh, small voter turnout. Yes. Um, so that's one issue. But I'm going to back it up even further. And I'm gonna, to and I believe it was Thomas Jefferson who may have actually stolen this from someone else, but or at least paraphrased. But at the early days of this nation, 
said the greatest threat to this democracy is an uninformed electorate. Uh, and again, I'm probably paraphrasing a little bit there, but the, the concept is there. It, this has become our reality, or at least some feel that this has become our reality, where uh, the electorate is not well informed and, and is still choosing our political leaders. Can you elaborate on this and, and paint a picture for what it really means to be a, a voter in the U.S.? Very, uh, um, I would say, a profound statement he made way back when. Uh, he had the foresight to know that uh, we're human beings. And as we progress in our young country, I think that they got together and understood that there's going to be a lot of changes down the road, technology, you know, communications. But also as we move further west, because remember, there's the 13 colonies. We just were on the Atlantic coast there and we had to get uh, um, our, our wagons and our different means of transportation and things would take time and education would not necessarily be the priority. And so I think that they were thinking about the fact that as folks prioritize their lives, um, elections and our democracy here might just take a backseat. It might take a, a less of a prioritized uh, a procedure and policy to our country. And I think that fear was a realization in that what they're experiencing at that point uh, was the uh, separation from one country uh, or our way of life to another one, which is independent here. And I think that those folks got together and saw that that was a possibility. The education would not be a priority. Um, and I think they tried to make sure that somehow, some way, there was a foundation in the Constitution that allowed us to have some kind of format moving forward. Well, and, and there's been a lot of talk, obviously, about the reduction of or lack of civics education in our educational system. Um, certainly not helping. Uh, <laughs> the electorate to become more informed. Do you, do you see that that level of education is important for voters? It's extremely important. Um, and I would always, uh, how I, 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 the, the approach to folks that have to worry about paying a mortgage and have to worry about food on the table and these kind of things, you've got to prioritize things and, and to say that you got to, you got to show up and vote. Um, Versus, you know, I got to get to class to, to, to the uh, the associate's degree that I'm working on or the third job that I have that never seemed to fit right in the priority uh, list until you start thinking about how it actually affects you when we don't vote. And I think I always try to insert that into the conversation and let folks know that, hey, we don't just vote every four years. There's local elections that mean the most to us as local communities. And if we're not showing up there, the folks that are the 5% of the electorate that are showing up are making the laws, are making the changes for the entire electorate. And so you need to start being a part of that five, six, seven, possibly 50, 60, 70 percentile and changing things and making them work for you instead of letting those only same folks every single time control the election outcomes. So a little personal story here. I, I was a former candidate myself here in Massachusetts for lieutenant right. governor a number of years ago. And um, on the morning of the primary, I'll never forget this statistic, 76% uh, of likely voters in a primary, which as you already know, is already the cream of the crop in terms of engaged voters, um, but 76% could not name a single candidate for lieutenant governor in either party. 
that's not alarming anymore to me. <laughs> it, but it is terrifying for it's, democracy. Yes. And I believe that the fear of the outcome of that statistic is what I tend to uh, really take hold of because I know what happens when you've got 89% of the folks showing up. I know it's just such a, a beautiful voice. It's harmony looking at see everyone getting ready and anxious to vote. And I see the outcomes doesn't always favor exactly what people think, but it's the getting together. It's the process. It's the everyone getting involved. That's synchrony. But when folks don't go and then they don't like the, the, the alternative, uh, I'm sorry, not the alternative, but the actual outcome, that seems to be like they're wallowing in their sorrows. They're wallowing in it just it's not a well uh, uh, oiled machine. It's more like we're in a mud puddle and we're just taking steps and steps to stay in that mud puddle. The fact that we aren't taking our liberties and voicing our opinions and voicing our having our say has a lot to do with the outcome that we're living with. I, that's a deep, deep, deep sentiment of mine. <laughs> Yeah, no, no. I, I mean, it's it's a real issue in terms of education, but it's also what that means is it it becomes a bigger burden for candidates, right? Because candidates have to spend tremendous amounts of campaign finances on educating the electorate, um, and that's a challenge. It's a it's a challenge to raise the money, and then it's not being spent on on something that's advancing the campaign per se, but really just educating people on what they should probably already know. Um, yeah. So we, we've seen how money, I mean, money has a corrosive, corruptive kind of... They're claws. On, they have the grips in us. They're claws in, our, you know, in yeah. our fabric, really. Well, that's exactly right. And so, you know, this lack of education leads to an increased need for funding, which leads to an increased dependency uh, of candidates on people with money or corporations with money. Um, and it, it really starts eroding um, the whole demo, the, the whole very foundation of democracy, frankly. Um, do you have a sense of the impact that campaign financing has on candidates? Yes, and I'll start off by saying that I was a teacher about 20 years ago, 25 years ago. And I had a quote that uh, I came up with. I said that, you know, parents, uh, you know, parents are the uh, people that actually make the cake, but the the teachers are the icing on that cake. They they create the parents create the minds, but the actual teachers they form them and fix them and, and manipulate them and, and not really just change them, but they they mold them to what you need to have that extra stuff. Mm. And if everybody is relying on the teacher to do that, then the education no longer becomes a priority. It's kind of an afterthought. And it's the same concept with the overall candidacy, the campaign. If candidates have to continually spend 85% of their time to try to get in front of folks, then that's less time they have to introduce themselves and, and meet the, the masses. We're trying to get one message across versus every single hand you're shaking. Well, one million people in a county, how are you going to get to meet all those folks unless you raise millions of dollars? If you're out there trying to raise the millions of dollars, you're not really getting a chance to meet the people. So the, the priority shifts and 
what's left is we have someone that says something on a 30 second commercial and that's all we know about them we don't know the pros the procedures of voting we don't know uh, uh when to go what, what our ballot looks like uh you know how to do we have a paper ballot here or is it electronic all these things are the elections process are void for us we all we know is we get a commercial of this person talking about that person and who do we believe what do we know it's a big gray kind of mess a cesspool of priorities that have been shifted to fill a void that isn't really filling the void it's kind of making it worse well, and here comes best candidate, <laughs> right? And and that's that's really the exciting part of this interview. Sorry for the doom and gloom about democracy here, but tell us tell us more about what is best candidate and how does somebody use it? So we talked a little bit about having to get out there and raise millions of dollars, and it's it's really not um, you know anything new. It's actually just getting worse. $16 billion in the 2016 uh, 2020 presidential election, and that's double the amount of the previous one. That's monies that they had to spend just so they can stay in front of the previous guy or the previous woman. That's not to get their information to the public, just, just to stay in front of the next guy. So exponentially, you have a mobile application that you're already using that everybody in the room probably already has an actual cell phone. Um, we're able to reach out to exponential folks, folks that already have an application uh, device in their hands um, versus having to get out there and ask this person for money, ask that other person for money, really try to hold on the, uh, um, forgive me, to, to concentrate on the raising of monies instead of their platform, what they stand for, what they want to change, what they want to do when they get in office, the forecast for the city, the forecast for the state or the country. Those are the things that people want to hear, want to know about. Um, so our application, they 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 really can relax from all that pounding of the pavement and just work on getting people to know them. Um, we have lots of social media, different uh, things out there, but the problem is they might be on one or two of them, or they might be on all of them with different messages all over the place. We're going to be kind of like the hub for each one of those spokes. We're going to put all those spokes together so you can go to one location, find out about candidate A, candidate B, candidate C, all from one device. So <clears throat> the voter who wants to be informed, make a, an educated uh, decision when it comes to voting, um, downloads the app, and then what? Great. So they'll create a profile, and the profile, of course, for the voter is going to be centralized to the home address. We know that when we vote, it's according to our, our precinct, according to where we actually live or jurisdiction. And so if that's the case, I put my profile in, up comes a list of candidates and issues that are related to me specifically to where I live, my home address. And that specifically are the things that I can now, you know, research. Okay, I have three candidates here. They're all going to be on my ballot coming up on the 23rd of August. These are the guys, or ladies, the folks that I can really just try to get to know those folks. I could reach out to that person. I could join their podcast. I can jump on a office hours he met with them and talked to them directly i can push an issue with them i could nudge them say hey guess what in our community we've got um dogs running around without collars or we've got potholes in our streets we can nudge those issues we can get a petition signed we can get petitions signed by as many people as you like it's exponential now um and the, the same for the candidates now candidates create a profile now all of a sudden they've got in their hands their whole address book in their phone they've got every single person in the in the county that they have been trying to get a hold of, but you know what? Now I can just go like this and talk to them or put a message out and shoot it out to everybody in my phone book all at once. It's a, a, a big game changer in knowing 
that a first time candidate doesn't have to try to figure this game out by themselves. They have a huge campaign management system with a touch of their fingers and a voter for the first time. It, it can be really scary walking into an election booth by yourself for the first time. What do I do? Well, you have a voter toolbox right there at your hands. You can look at your sample ballot ahead of time. You can figure out which candidate actually is more aligned to your own thoughts and feelings or which one you'd like better or whichever one you didn't want to vote for. You can make decisions before you get into that, that actual poll polling place. It's all right there in front of you. All you've got to do is open it up. That's amazing. So as the time always does, it flew, flew by yet again. Um, <laughs> Long-winded here. <laughs> but no, no, it, it's fascinating. But I do want a question I always ask everybody. Looking 10, 20, 50 years out into the future, every voter in America has best candidate on their phone. What does it mean? What does it mean to that voter, to their community, to the country? It now means that, you know what, we've got a um, Republican meeting on TV at three o'clock and we're going to have a nice convention at, at four o'clock over there in that part of the country, a convention in a different country altogether. And you can pull up your phone and see each one of them without having to try to figure out where I'm going to go watch this uh, or, or do I have to go live? Do I have to pay tickets to get to that? You can all be right there on your cell phone. Or I'm in the city of, let's say, Coconut Creek. And Coconut Creek has got a commission meeting that I can never get to. They schedule them at one o'clock every single week. I can never get to those. Now you got it sitting there right there on your cell phone. You can view it. But also, you could pay your water bill through that because they've signed up as a city. They have meeting agendas, meetings, notes, all kinds of things. They have a file cabinet now that you can go pay and, and pull up PDFs and previous meetings and things like that. It's all right there in your app. As a matter of fact, now instead of trying to figure out who's going to do all these debates, you can have debates right there on your BC. Every single thing that has to do with voting can be right there at the touch of your hands. Because we sometimes forget that we transfer billions of dollars every day on our cell phones. It's all electronic. Why aren't we voting? Why aren't we getting the education the same kind of way you value your monies in this country, in this world? So easy to do. We have the technology. If we can just think outside of the box and prioritize education. Well, well said. Tell us, anybody who wants to learn more or get into contact, what's the best way to do that? Well, my website right now is bestcandidate.net. Uh, you can go on there. As a matter of fact, right now we're taking free subscriptions for the mobile app once it comes out. We're going to be doing the beta test. We'd love folks to help with that. And so that's pretty much the best way to get to touch to us, get in touch to us right now. Yeah. Terrific. Gino, listen, thank you so much. As I I said at the beginning, this is something near and dear to my heart. I appreciate the passion you share for for a more educated electorate. And uh, I just thank you for the impact that you're going to create uh, with Best Candidate and providing this education for all of us. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you for having me. And I apologize. My enthusiasm needs to be curbed sometimes. But you know what? Sometimes we have to be passionate about something enough to get it out there. So that's me. That's <laughs> thank, <right>. you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And thank you for tuning in to this episode of Preview of Tomorrow. Listeners like you are essential to advancing our efforts to drive resiliency and sustainability for all. I ask that you give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever streaming platform you prefer. Your feedback helps us to grow and share these brief previews of what life in the future can be. In addition to thanking our guests today, I want to thank Peter Roy and Demetria Bridges for making this podcast possible. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and encourage others to also join us each week 
in previewing the possibilities of tomorrow. Preview of Tomorrow is brought to you by Leading Cities, a global nonprofit driving resilience and sustainability for all by unleashing the potential of the world's cities. Join them at leadingcities.org.